When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Future. We're talking real money. Hi, everybody. This is kind of a special Friday Q&A. It's more of a Friday QCCNA because it's just how they come up in order. We've got questions, comments, corrections, and answers. All in one exciting episode. Hey, everybody. Don McDonald here talking Real Money's the podcast you're listening to. And today's episode is the Friday episode, which means I grab questions that you spoke in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form using the microphone on your camera or your or camera. Okay, I guess it is a camera. It's a camera and a phone. Camera, computer, whatever it might be. And today it's, uh, well... It's some comments and corrections, too. So let's get to the first question, shall we? Hi, this is James calling from Virginia. Quick question on real estate allocation. Uh, currently, I'm in REITs. I am in the process of buying a building for my optometry office. I was curious if you would cut back your uh, REIT exposure um, because of that, because I'm technically putting more money into real estate. Um, and if I should adjust that or if I should just kind of keep it the same, I was thinking I would keep it the same and kind of consider this real estate venture a business and uh, not adjust anything. Uh, separately, I was uh, thinking you should title this uh, podcast or leave a uh, leave a description uh, saying commercial house hack because that's what I'm doing where uh, I'll be one of the tenants and I'll rent out the rest of the suites. Um, the reason for that is maybe you'll catch some of these people who are so overzealous on real estate and, and maybe they'll find you guys instead of the, you know, 5,000, uh, real estate podcasts out there. <laughs> Thanks guys. I'm with you. I, I think your real estate, your REIT is a real real estate investment because it's a diversified investment. The building in which you practice your trade, your craft, your, your skill, your business is part of the business. So I think keeping them separate is probably a good idea. And if I thought naming it differently would help bring some of the people over from those awful real estate podcasts, I absolutely would. <laughs> Thanks for the suggestion. And let's see, what do we have next? Oh, next is a comment. No, it's a correction. It's a correction. I think there may be a hidden comment within it, but I'm not going to assume. So this one will be short. Hey, Don. Just wanted to point out that uh, Bitcoin just had its 15th birthday. Boy, they grow up so fast, don't they? Yeah, I heard your uh, Q&A broadcast here recently on the 12th of January. In that one, you mentioned that the SEC succumbed to political pressure to approve those 11 ETFs. Well, that's, that's really incorrect, and uh, don't trust me, just verify what actually happened was the SCC gave in to judicial pressure. The D.C. District Court told the SEC that their rejection of that Bitcoin ETF 
was arbitrary and capricious and that they needed to go back, review the request for the ETF. And if they still wanted to reject it, they needed more and uh, more convincing justification. Well, they weren't able to do that. So that's why they ended up approving those ETFs. You are correct. Uh, it really wasn't. There was some political pressure. There was a great deal of pressure from those who uh, who create ETFs, and they they do put political pressure on. There was some of that going on, but the primary impetus behind the SEC's decision to just go ahead and approve them was the court saying that they were a little capricious in their approach. So you're absolutely right. Still doesn't make me like Bitcoin, but you're right. Next up, well, this one's a question. Hi, uh, my daughter received a $65,000 court settlement for a dog bite. She's 14 years old, and that money needs to go into a court-ordered account um, that she'll have at her disposal when she turns 18. My question is, what's the best investment for that money? Um, I'm right now thinking about setting it up um, that it's in a CD and then just rolls over. Um, it gets reinvested until she's 18. And then once she's 18, she has access to that money. And then we would talk about using it, uh, her uh, using it, um, part of it for um, college uh, and the other, hopefully um, for her to reinvest um, to, um, you know, eventually come up with some money that might help her with a down payment on a home uh, later on in life. But I'd be interested in knowing um, best investments. Thank you very much. Well, I need to preface this by saying, yeah, I'm not a lawyer. Okay. And this is um, a tricky area. Custodians of minors accounts always have a certain degree of fiduciary responsibility. But since you're acting directly under the order of a court, the court orders from everything I've read tend to be a little more particular and often much, much more strict. There's a very narrow area in which to move. And the fact that this is relatively short term before it becomes the miner's money, and oh my gosh, is guidance for this person going to be very important when this comes around? Uh, I'm... I would probably, <laughs> I would probably just put it in a three or four year CD. I wouldn't even, I don't, well, I might ladder them one, two, three, four, uh, but, uh, cause you might get, yeah, with a ladder, you're going to get a slightly better yield right now, but there's that iffiness about what you're going to do at the end of that. But you could go into high yield savings at that point, just because it's going to be coming due in essence it's going to have need to have something new done with it and then i would advise this miner to take a portion of it and put that toward education and the uh maybe maybe a bit toward future homes and things but way future like decades future if you can talk them out of spending it that that will be a uh, very successful conclusion to this process but i i wish you well uh, let's see. Uh, this one's sort of a comment, a little advice. Yeah, it's not really a correction. Here we go. Hey, Tom and Don. This is Charles from Alabama. Earlier, you gave me the honor of saying I'd sent the, sent the longest email of anybody in history. I heard you talking today about 
the umbrella policy. And I wanted to tell you that when I looked into it, a $1 million umbrella policy ended up costing me overall less because they reduced my auto and home insurance more than the cost for the insurance of the umbrella. I'm not sure why I hadn't thought of that, but if it allows you, although there are legal requirements as to how much coverage you must have for liability in your uh, in your homeowner's policy and your car policies, well, the state mandates the car policies in your home, it's often mandated by your, your lender. But if you can reduce some of that and cover all of that for less money with an umbrella policy? Well, heck, yeah, that's a great idea. So I guess you, we, all of us, should probably talk with our insurance people and see what the net effect is of an umbrella policy on our all of our other policies. It's hard to do that in cases like, well, like mine, where my homeowner's and my car are in two different places, and that comes from living in Florida. It's really hard to find reasonably priced insurance and bundle that in in a home and car deal. So um, it's hard to do. But And I think that would probably need to be the case before this would be effective. But it's a good idea, and I appreciate it. This is going to be a short episode. <laughs> I could just see it. This is going to be a short episode today. Uh, And uh, if you want to send your questions in, just go to TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form and send those in. Uh, We'll get them every Friday. Also, you can uh, call Tom and me live every Saturday on our radio program, Talking Real Money, which turns into a podcast the next week. You just call 855-935-8255, 855-935-8255. Talk, T-A-L-K, on Saturday between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern Time, noon to 2 Pacific Time, and we will spend as much time as we have talking directly with you, actually having a conversation, which can be very fun. So uh, call us, 855-935-TALK, on Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. And last but not least, we have another mm, correction of sorts. Hey guys, love the show. In the Jan 24 podcast, somebody called in about problems with reinvesting dividends at Vanguard, and you stated that ETFs could not reinvest dividends, only mutual funds could. Well, that's not correct at all. ETFs can reinvest dividends. I do it all the time with Fidelity, so I can't speak for Vanguard, but obviously for Fidelity, I can because I do it all the time with both Spiders and uh, iShares. So just wanted to throw out a little correction there for you. Thanks. There's still a difference between the way mutual funds reinvest. And you're right. You can reinvest in ETFs. Most often, this reinvestment actually takes place through your brokerage account where they take the money and then reinvest it in shares of the fund. The straight drip programs, the dividend reinvestment programs that exist in mutual funds are much more straightforward or have been. Now, ETFs are starting to come around to that. It's more difficult, though, because when the ETF is issued, it's a share of stock. It is no longer an account you have with that firm. There is a difference in the way the drips work between them. But yeah, in a lot of cases, this was a specific case with a particular broker in a particular type of account where apparently they didn't offer it. Um, and they don't necessarily, the brokerage firms don't have to offer it. 
But in some cases, uh, and, and they do and they will be doing more of that, I imagine, certainly. <laughs> they, they, eventually, it's going to be ubiquitous. But for now, there are some exceptions. And thanks for your correction. If you want to correct, just call 855-935-TALK on Saturday. We can do it there. Or you can send your corrections and your questions and your comments in by speaking them at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. Also, on February 24th, we do a big event. We've done this event every February for now 10 years. It's called Retire Meet. This is our 10th anniversary, and anyone anywhere in the world can attend. You just go to retiremeet.com, and you pay $5 to sign up. The $5 will go to an organization devoted to financial education. We're going to donate all of that money to education. So go to retiremeet.com, sign up, watch it all day long. You can bop in and out. It's really easy. And thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I appreciate all of you and wish you well. I'm Don McDonald, talking real money. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. And the lawyers get richer.